You know, where do we get a glimpse of heaven? By some mysterious secret revelation that God gave us personally? That's scary. That's a little cultish. What do we need? We need the book of Revelation. We need the spirit of the living God to come through the word of God, through the revelation of God. And he teaches us what's going on in heaven. And we get some glimpses of what's going on in heaven, which gives us a basis to take the prayer of Jesus, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God knows what's going on in heaven. He's there. But I need to catch a glimpse and a revelation glimpse of what is going on there. And I open up my, my Bible to some pages, especially the last chapter, the last chapter, the last chapters, the last book, Revelation. And I get a feel because I catch a few glimpses of what's going on with the worship of heaven. And that fine tunes the prayer that I have and that I pray when I say and I sing, I worship with your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And I see a little bit, just a glimpse of what's going on in heaven. And it makes me say, Lord, not only do I want to go there at some point, not yet, honey, don't worry, but at some point, when is the right time? You imagine what Brother Stacy's enjoying right now. Can't even, it just curls my socks. I can't even imagine what he knows, what he sees, what he's doing. Ah, thou shalt not be jealous over thy neighbor's ultimate destination. But he's so good. And we catch a glimpse. We catch um, a feel for what is going on in heaven. And we say, Lord, may your will be done. May you bring to earth, Holy Spirit, the atmosphere of heaven. And that's what should mark our worship services. I'm glad to be with you on this second day of our worship emphasis week. This is really good. You ever been lost in the woods? Anybody ever been lost in the woods? It's not a fun feeling. You ever had a compass, whether the old school one, like a little thing, or you got one on your phone or something? Compasses are amazing, aren't they? They don't tell you exactly where it is, but they tell you the right way to go. They tell you the right way to walk. We mentioned yesterday and looked at worship as a foundation from which being level and, and straight and everything else, that we can then build upon that, and that's important to do, so that um, as you continue to grow higher and higher and mature in your worship, you're not getting more and more off because there, was, there needs to be a, a firm and level foundation. With that, my second picture of worship, or rather of the Word of God, is that it is a compass. And having a compass is important. If someone were to, I'm not going to do it now, we thought about it, but we're not going to do it. If someone were to blindfold me, and, and spin me around in circles, which I would probably faint right there, probably fall over, and that would be fun. But I, if that happened, and they, and they said, now I'm totally disoriented, I have no external points of reference, but they said, walk southwest. And I'm like, totally unaware of where I am. Or if you took me out to a field, big field somewhere, in some state, in some country, I had no idea where I was, on a cloudy day, there's no external points of reference. The sun isn't shining. I don't know anything about the horizon around me. And they said, walk southwest. I'd be clueless because I have nothing outside of myself to tell me where I'm going. No compass, no sun. The stars aren't out. I don't recognize the, uh, you know, the trees, anything. The word of God is like that for us. It's a compass. Otherwise, we are left to our own desires and our own um, thinking in terms of, well, I don't know, that seems the right way to go. I'm just going to go this way. And we walk over there and, boom, you know, right off the cliff or something because we need guidance. So the Word of God is a foundation for us, but it's also a compass, and it tells us the way that we need to go. 
and I'm grateful for it. So yes, not only is the theme of the worship, or the theme of the week is worship week, but specifically it is that the word of God is the foundation and it is the compass by which I need to, to build upon, but also to guide me in the right direction so I know where I'm going, I know where I'm building, I'm building on solid rock. I don't want to be the guy who put his house in the sand because everything looked good on the sand until the storm came. When the storm came, it showed the foundation for what it was, which was basically nothing. But when it's built in the rock, the wise builder built it by, you know, you sang the story, maybe some of you in Sunday school when you were a kid. The wise man built his house upon the rock. That's the story, and that's the truth. And we're still doing that in regards to our worship. Now, I've had something else to say, but I don't remember. we got two cool chairs up here, which you may recognize. You may say, these chairs are like the ones over in the student lounge. Yeah, the, one, the ones in the student lounge are minus two chairs. You do the math. <laughs> Isn't it fun to sit? Well, you are. I can, too. You know, come on. There's a way that seems right to a man, to a person, to us. Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seems right. You ever done anything that you really felt like, it just, it just seems right? It's kind of like walking in a circle or walking with that lack of a compass. I don't know, southwest, that, that seems right. Proverbs says there's a way that seems right, but it ends in death. Now, that's one thing when it comes to walking around a field trying to find where southwest is, but if it, if, if it regards your eternity and if, if it regards your worship, we ought to put a little more emphasis into it and a little more stock in it in some way that God is going to tell us which is the right way to go because this seems right to me, but I want to know which is the right way to go. When we came, when my wife and I came as students to Elam in 1977, that was back before there was dirt, so it's been a little while, but the fact is... There was a song that came out that year by Debbie Boone, and it's called You Light Up My Life. This is an old throwback. But anyway, there was one line in there, and it said this. It can't be wrong if it feels so right. Oh, man, that kind of gives you a feel for the philosophy of the times in the 60s and 70s. It just can't be wrong when it feels so right. Unfortunately, that wasn't just a song in the 70s. That's human nature. That's why God said in his word, guys, there is a compass for you. There is someone, an external point of reference that will teach you in the way that you are to go. And Jesus tells us in John 17, 17, as he's praying for us, by the way, this is the time of the real Lord's Prayer in John 17. He said, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. I want my wife, Margie, to come up. Would you welcome her, please, as she comes? And we're going to be sharing with you in our second session here today in our comfy chairs and our mics that sometimes work. Is there a battery issue with this? Do you know, David? We don't know. Oh, I've got it. Oh, I'm the one who's ignorant. Okay. This is she. We've been married, this August it'll be 42 years. Well, as you probably already noticed, it isn't quite the normal chapel. We figured you're in classes every day, you have, you know, speakers who have polished sermons, 
amazing sermons like Pastor Tim's yesterday on a regular basis, but we thought we would make this a little bit different just to add interest. And so we thought we'd make it a little more conversational and that we could share some things that um, would pertain to expressions of worship in scripture, but with some of our stories and some of the things that we've experienced that make it a little bit more personal. Um, we just recently were in Hawaii to visit our son's family and meet our new grandbaby, Liam. And while we were there, we were able to connect with a man that invited Dick to be part of his first, first worship team when he was just a new believer in Christ back in 1974. Okay. Way before there was dirt. Almost 50 years ago, right? And this man began talking to us about the impact that Dick had on the worship in their church back then as a new Christian, just like calling on his life and how God just anointed him and downloaded in him from that time. So since then, through the decades of time, God has continued um, working in both of us, traveling in ministry, pastoring in churches, being on worship teams, doing seminars. How many seminars do you think we've done together, honey, on worship? Quite a few, quite a few churches here and in Finland. So just to kind of give you an idea of um, what these things that we're sharing are coming out of for you. We wanted to begin talking about just a basic concept that really hit home for me um, back when, when we were first here, um, Dick had just started being on staff, and uh, Paul Johansson was here, so it must have been, we were a few years in, and he said, um, it was after a worship time, and he just stopped by where we were, and he said, you know, it all has to be about God. We're like, well, of course it does. But, you know, that set in place the standard. That, you know, that it was such an easy way to say, is this worship? Is this not worship? Is this about God? Is this about him? And then Brother Johansson went on and he talked to us in a, a class about worship being a spiritual event or thing, that worship is spiritual. God wants us to worship in truth, which we've been talking a lot about. What is the truth? What is our standard? Where do we come from? God wants us to worship in spirit, and that that's really where worship is generated, is in our spirit. Sometimes we're like, well, what, I mean, I'm worshiping. What, what is worship? But it's, it's that spiritual connection. And we can access that. We can enter into that. We can respond to God's spirit in our spirit in a lot of different ways. So we wanted to talk about some of those 
ways this morning. One of them is singing. Now, probably that's almost synonymous right. in your mind, isn't it? Worship equals singing, worship songs. And that's, and that's wonderful. That is probably the most common way that we express our worship. But do you realize that you can have singing without worship? You can have worship without singing. And so if we're going to sing according to what Scripture says, like 1 Corinthians 14, 15, Paul said, I'm going to sing with both my mind or my understanding. I'm going to sing with my spirit, which is what Margie was just talking about. That there's a, a dimension to my singing. It is singing. It is all good singing. But some of it comes out as the words on the wall that we sing and harmonize and have a team, and we do that thing. That's wonderful. And sometimes it's a more personal or even we're joined together, but there's a sense of it's deeper than just what the song is saying. You ever had the sense that, like, I am worshiping God right now, but it's not necessarily what's on the wall. It's more. It's different. It's something that's just like I can feel it bubble up inside of me, and that's the real worship that's going on. But God is looking for more than a song, isn't he? Didn't Matt Redmond teach us that quite a while ago? When the music fades and all, sing it with me, and all is stripped away and I simply come, that's all he wants is that, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. And then what does he say? I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. It never has been, has it? That's what he really is looking for, is the spirit inside of you, which is, by the way, is where he lives. Do you realize that? That when God took up residence inside of you, his spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, I think, right, 17, 18, says he joins his spirit and my spirit joined together as one. So when you're singing from your spirit, small s, you're actually singing by the inspiration and by the assistance and whatnot of the Holy Spirit, capital S, and it's a truly a spiritual experience. It's more than a song, though. It's that depth in the Spirit. We wanted to mention that um, the way we worship isn't necessarily spiritual. It's just things we do. And often they're just things that people do normally as people. When you're happy, you smile. When you want to greet somebody, you reach out to them. When you honor somebody and you're, um, you're wanting to give deference to them, you bow. When you, uh, or stand. Or stand. You know, someone walks in the room and you, and you stand. There's just, they're just things as a human condition that, that we do. But so we use those then to help that thing, that spiritual worship that's happening in our spirit to be able to connect with that and to express our response to God. That was so well said. And it doesn't, you need to realize that you're a human being. Well, you already knew that, I guess. <laughs> you're not a human doing. You're a human being, and so it comes out of who you, who you be. i got to take English. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. No, but it works. And so it comes out of your walk with God, 
your relationship with God. And how God hardwired you is to express yourself. Now, we have different personalities, and the culture we were raised in encourages or discourages certain kinds of expression. But the fact is, you as a human being, just like Margie was saying, there's things that you just feel to do. You know, who's ever been to a sporting event? Come on, most of you, even just here. I don't know if they're going to be out there pretty soon in the playing mud football or something with more injuries. I know, that always happens. But the fact is, when you get out there and your team is winning, it's like... Oh, yes, intellectually speaking, it seems that this is a good time. I'm just going <laughs> to... No, you're like on the shoulders of the guy in front of you like, yes, yes, yes. Because you need to express the something that's deep inside of you. I won't repeat that for anybody, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> but do you see, it's how God made you. And when we're sad, he gave us tears. He gave us mourning. He gave us the ability to grieve and to weep and to express that as well. So it's something that makes you very much a human being, honey. So let's, uh, you said about kneeling. Let's jump into that. Um, in Psalm 95, verse 6, it, comes, it says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God. And um, <laughs> we had two stories, actually, we wanted to tell you about kneeling. One was that as a mom, we had children, five children. Some of them may be watching. Hi. And um, they, we, we spread them out over 12 and a half years. And then we also had our grandson live with us for the first three years of his life. So if you can count that up, I changed diapers for a lot of years of my life. And one time, I remember clearly, I was kneeling on the floor, had one of the babies there on, on the diaper-changing pad, changing another one of those really stinky diapers. And it happened to be when I was pregnant with another baby and very nauseous and sick. Oh, I know, I actually told you that whole part, sorry. Anyway, so there I was, if you can imagine that moment. And I felt like the Lord said, this is your worship to me. So there I was kneeling. <laughs> and from that moment on, that was with our second child that that happened. And from that moment on, when I knelt, which I usually just change the kids on the floor, it's easier. And um, when I knelt to change our diapers, I did it as an act of service. And I was in that possession, position to reverence him, to kneel before him. Another story we thought of with kneeling, totally different. We were in a service over at the tab, or I mean, over at the church, and it was just amazing. I mean, God's presence came in just an unbelievably strong way. And it happened to be a period in our life when there were a lot of, we were going, like, working with a lot of different and very difficult dynamics. Um, and I, at one point, knelt down 
And I began to feel as if God just enveloped me and allowed me to pour out all of that pain that was inside of me. So as I humbled myself in front of him and quieted myself, I actually am going to show you. So I was there. I just went. I just humbled myself, you know, because it was that kind of service. You didn't want to be standing up. You didn't want to be like, hey, it's me here. You just kind of wanted to quiet yourself and make yourself small because God was so great. But soon I just found myself with my nose buried into the carpet and just sobbing because God was there receiving me right where I was at and taking all of that that we were going through and that we were walking others through and and bringing healing to me. That was worship. I, I thought about, thank you, um, that song I've heard, I just heard recently, I just want to speak the name of Jesus, Charity Gale. Have any of you heard that? Have you heard it? Yeah. I, don't, I just came across it. It's a, she did a cover of a song I think Darling Chuck had something to do with, but I'm telling you what, it's just really, really powerful. But she talks about when we speak the name of Jesus, that everything that is in his name then is what we're focusing on and what we're connecting with, and that there can be healing and deliverance and hope that he brings. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. So let's go back to what happens when we speak. The speak. Name of Jesus, amen. One thing that we've done, I've done in the past, is just to break things up a little bit, but also because it seemed to be the direction of the Holy Spirit was I would take a slide and put it up in the wall, but it wasn't a song. It was just listing the names of God. Of course, there's a lot of those if you ever do a study on that. And then we just set some background music to it and just let people see the words and speak the words. And if they wanted to sing the word, it wasn't a song that was written, but the songs began to be generated in our spirit by the Holy Spirit who was, he always takes the things of Jesus and he makes them real to us. And that's what's so important to realize about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He said it in John 14 and 16. He said, I'm, Jesus said, when he comes, the Holy Spirit will manifest or disclose or reveal the attributes of God, the things of Jesus. He said, I'll, make them, I'll, I'll, I'll bring them to your remembrance, and I'll make them real to you. And it's a wonderful dimension in worship when we can just come and just look at him and look at even the written names on the wall and begin to speak. There's something about just speaking the name of Jesus is an act of worship in itself. And then to say it, Jesus, Jesus. Not trying to sing a song, but just speaking the name. It's a beautiful thing. When we speak the name of Jesus, he comes with all the fullness of God. I wrote this down for you because I really wanted to remember. He comes wanting to lavish his love on you. He comes wanting to dance 
over you. He comes wanting to heal your broken hearts. He comes to bring deliverance. He comes wanting to move in your life, to move you out of mediocrity into a place of joy and accomplishment and productivity. And this one especially I felt for you this morning. He wants to be in the midst of the swirl of your anxiety and to become for you your rock. He wants to be in the midst of the swirl of your anxiety and become your rock. Just speaking the word of God. David said in Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually, continually be in my mouth. That could be singing, of course, but it could be just speaking as well, just walking around, doing your thing throughout the day. Just, Jesus, you're with us. Jesus, you're here. You're with me. You know. Just speaking the name, even just the, the, the vocal expression of that name, thinking of the name, speaking the name, it brings peace. It brings comfort. Okay, so we talked about kneeling, bowing, speaking the name of Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you one of my very favorite worship song, worship stories. <laughs> okay. It has to do with the library. How many of you live in the library? Quite a few. And toilet bowls. That is not what you were expecting, were you? But it's the greatest story. So many years ago, again, um, Bernard Evans was a general overseer of Elam Fellowship. They were having one of the um, Oasis conferences, they call them now. Back then they were the May conferences, where pastors mostly would come. And people in ministry, the room was packed. All of this was open. All of this used to be open, just packed with people. And Bernard, Brother Bernard was up front, and he asked if his wife would come and share. So here was Sharon, who is one of my favorite people on the planet. And she came up, and she talked about the fact that she had the privilege of cleaning the Elam Fellowship building, which back then was a library. I don't know if you know that, was built to be the Elam Fellowship building. So she began talking about the fact that when she went into that building, she sensed the prayers that had been prayed there. She, she connected with the missionaries that had been sent out from there, and she began to pray and worship God every time she was there, just so aware of God's presence through the years and what God had done and what had happened in that place. And she said, even as, I was, even as I'm there, I'm just there cleaning the toilet, swish, swish. And then she started like praying in tongues and just worshiping the Lord. Well, I'll tell you what. She, she started saying that, and I was sitting right over here where I was sitting this morning, and I, without knowing it, I found myself standing up 
And I looked around, and there were other people standing up. And within seconds, every person in that room was standing. And we were worshiping God together and had just a glorious time of worship. Were you here, Sister Debbie? No. (laughs) It was amazing. But you know what? It was because of a story she told about cleaning the toilet. Is that amazing? (laughs) Just um, God wants to connect with us. Whether we're cleaning toilets, whether we're changing diapers, whether we're whatever we're doing, his spirit is there connecting with our spirit, and we can respond to what he's doing and what he's saying by different acts of worship, one being standing and worshiping him. It was see, it was the, the spirit of God, the spirit of truth that so bore witness with the truth that was in her life as she's cleaning the toilets, and now she's describing that to us. And and God just like, I want that. I want this this woman, this this worshiper. Even as she's telling us stories about what appears in the out, outward to be just the mundane. God said, I see her heart. She's a worshiper at heart. And he bore witness, not just to her, but to the entire room. And here's this room full of pastors on their feet. Not as an altar call. Nobody had a a time. All right, let's all stand together and respond to it. It was just bam. Everybody knew it almost at the same moment. Just that life that was a worshiper, truly a worshiper at heart. And we were standing with our hands lifted. So that's another one. We, all, we often do, but why? Why do we do that? What does it mean? I've heard, um, well, it's like, um, you know, if, if somebody comes to take your wallet and they have a gun, raise your hands in surrender. And there is an aspect of surrender. I think it's also, I know in, in that instance that we were talking about, it was almost more like I... I want more of you, Lord. I'm honoring you. I am, I'm just wanting to revere you in every way that I can. God's word says in Psalm 63, I have seen you in the sanctuary, and I've beheld your power and your glory. And because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you, and I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name... Here it is. I will lift up my hands. It was surrender, but it was more than that. It was just that sense of, I want my life. I want to lift, as it were, lift my heart up with my hands. In Psalm 141, verse 2, it says, May my prayer be set before you as incense. Now, we sing a couple songs around here that have the word and the concept of incense. They used to burn the incense, and the sweet fragrance would rise, all right? Um, to God, Um, but this, David said, may my prayer be like that. May my prayer be the incense that rises before you. And he said, may the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice, the evening offering. So I'm here, it's evening time, and I'm going to give back to you the thanks and the praise. And all this happened this day, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm I'm just going to offer my heart, offer my life with my prayer, 
rising to you as incense, and as my hands rising to you, even though I'm tired. And so it'll, it'll feel like an offering. It'll feel like the evening sacrifice I'm given to you. But I'm, I'm, I am so overwhelmed by the fact that you're worthy. You're worthy of me, even in my tiredness, even before I lay my head down and sleep. You're worthy of me giving to you the worship that's due your name. Tell them about your flower song. Oh, I wrote a song a long time ago. One of those just little, this is back in the 80s, so this is, we still had some dirt, but not very much. Um, I'm sorry, that was old the first time. <laughs> but it, there's first two lines of the song say, uh, as a flower turns its face to the sun. You know how sunflowers do, right? They kind of attract, they attract the sun. As a flower turns its face to the sun, I turn my face to you. And then watch the second line. As the child lifts its hands to be held, I lift my hands to you. Now, that's not an issue of surrender. It's more an issue of longing. Do you see the difference? They're both valid. They're both accurate. But that sense of as a child would lift its hands. Tell them about uh, our granddaughter. Well, Renee. it's fun because we've been, you know, working on this. And you may see us walking back and forth to home. We're often doing things like this, preparing for something we're speaking or teaching or getting involved in. Anyway, Dick said he found himself just this song, singing this song in the back of his mind and brought it back to memory because, you know, it's been a long time. Yeah, like 88 was when I wrote it and really haven't sung it much since. All really of a sudden, old. yesterday, it's like the Holy Spirit's bringing it back to my mind. Kind of cool that he remembers even when I forget. And so I'm singing this song, and all of a sudden we start doing the math and realize that would be a great little analogy, so yay. And so then on the way home from here yesterday, we stopped by our daughter's apartment and saw our one-year-old granddaughter, Renee. And so I was standing there, and she comes, you know, crawling over and crawls up on my legs, you know, stands up and puts her hands up to me. And, oh, and Dick said, this is that. This is that. This is what we do to God. We reach out, reach up to him. 